Beitza Perik Beis Mishnah Aleph two one, new Perik, um, much more of the same. We have Machlok and Batim Basil and Beishami regarding the halachas of Yom Tov, and the topic of this Mishnah is what you might call the halachas of Erev Tavshilin. Although, as you'll see, there's not much on the Erev Tavshilin per se, um, but that's where we're headed with this Mishnah. So, what are we talking about here? Pretty much what we learned in the first Perik is that you can do preparations um, on. Yom Tov or Shabbos for Shabbos or Yom Tov, respectively, under normal circumstances. And we also learned that while there's some leniencies um, regarding Malach and Yom Tov, the basic leniency revolves around things that are Tarche Och Nefesh, things that you need to do to prepare food and have food to eat and quality food to eat on Yom Tov. Now, based on that, it would seem that one would not be allowed to cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos. So if you had a Shabbos immediately after Yom Tov, it would seem from what I said so far that you would not be allowed to do any cooking on Yom Tov for that Shabbos. However, um, it's going to turn out that mid-da-oraisa, on a Torah level, one is allowed to cook under certain circumstances, under most circumstances, on Yom Tov for Shabbos. And the rationale why it's permitted mid-da-oraisa is machlokus between Rab and Rav Chista and the Gemara. And Rabbah says it's because you always could have guests coming on Yom Tov, and therefore if you cook on Yom Tov, making extra food, which you ultimately will use on Shabbos, you have that food around on Yom Tov, which can be used on Yom Tov, because now it's at the ready, should any guests arrive. And since you're always allowed to do cooking on Yom Tov for the sake of Yom Tov, so you have food for guests, so you could also rely on that kind of, I'll call loophole, um, to cook for Shabbos on Yom Tov. That's Rabba's approach. Rav Chist's approach is much more straightforward, and he says that the Kedusha of Yom Tov and the immediately subsequent Shabbos are connected, so the allowance the Torah gives to do cooking on Yom Tov um, for the sake of enjoying Yom Tov also extends to cooking for the sake of enjoying Shabbos. Now, Rabba really is, you could think of it as being the more strict of the opinions in certain ways, um, in as much as, let's say, for example, you have you want to make a challenge for Shabbos, and the challenge will not be ready at all on Yom Tov. So, according to Rabbah, well, you can't start making a challenge in the last hour of Yom Tov if tomorrow is Shabbos, because that won't be a challenge that people could eat on Yom Tov, and therefore it would be, you know, not a not a way, not fall into the, into the dispensation of having food ready for guests on Yom Tov itself. And ultimately, the Mishaburu will say with the Machmir, like the Sheet of Rabbah. Um, so that means that we are allowed to cook on a Darius level on Yom Tov for Shabbos under certain circumstances. Um, we're going to be Machmir though for Rabbah as well. Now, according to the Din de Rabbanan, however, rabbinically, the rabbi said, no, we don't want people cooking willy nilly, unrestrained on Yom Tov for Shabbos. Um, even in the parameters that Rabbah would allow. Um, and the reason why is two possibilities are put forth in the Gemara. The first is to protect the sanctity, the kavod, the honor of Shabbos. And the second is to protect, protect the honor of Yom Tov. What would that mean? So protecting the honor of Shabbos would mean that if a person didn't have to do his food preparations for Shabbos ahead of time, so he'd essentially eat whatever he ate on Yom Tov, and then essentially perhaps use the leftovers, not saving some special foods for Shabbos, um, 
and just leaving the leftovers for Shabbos, and that certainly is not acceptable. Therefore, we want a person to sort of set aside his Shabbos food ahead of time so he has proper food for Shabbos to protect the covet of Shabbos. As far as the covet of Yom Tov is concerned, the issue is if a person is allowed to start doing the cooking for Shabbos and Yom Tov, not unlike how you might see in many Jewish homes, much of Erev Shabbos, you know, <clears throat> Thursday day and Friday, Thursday night and Friday day is spent um, cooking for Shabbos. That could end up meaning that you'll spend much or most of your Yom Tov cooking for Shabbos. That's certainly not acceptable. That's all Yom Tov is there for. Um, so we want to protect um, Yom Tov by ensuring people do their food preparations for Shabbos, at least largely, before Yom Tov comes in. And perhaps even worse, in terms of the dignity of Yom Tov, over time people could come to actually do food preparations on Yom Tov for the day after Yom Tov when it's just a regular chol, a regular weekday, a regular you know, day of the week. So for those reasons, the rabbi said, under normal circumstances, cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbos is going to be um, restricted. Now, restricted means that what one could do is cook something on Yom Tov where he knows full well that there's going to be um, leftovers and then use those leftovers for Shabbos. So, for example, you can make a chicken soup where you know there's only five of you in the family and you're going to have ten bowls of soup worth in the pot and you're going to put the pot on the fire on Yom Tov and you know, listen, so five bowls will be for today and five bowls will be for tomorrow. That's totally acceptable. Even though you're cooking for Shabbos as well, since it's rolled into the permitted cooking of of uh on Yom Tov, for Yom Tov's sake, and since we said Midorais, that's permitted anyways, so it's going to be allowed. You're not doing a special preparation of uh, Shabbos alone, exclusive Shabbos prep uh, on Yom Tov. Um, that would go so far as to say that while it's, yes, permitted to make such a soup, um, you also could could even, let's say you had the soup on the fire, and then you realize, oh, you know what? You'd like to have some boiled chicken on Shabbos. You could even put the boil a, a chicken, a raw chicken, in that soup. Um, even though if the hundred percent of that chicken is going to be eaten on Shabbos, none of it on Yom Tov, that would still be permitted. Why? Because the soup that you're going to be eating on Yom Tov will benefit from the flavor of the chicken. So therefore, it's permitted. In contrast. You couldn't say, oh, I'd like to have some, you know, boiled potatoes on Shabbos, so I'll put some potatoes in the soup that I'm cooking for Yom Tov. That would be not allowed. Because since the potatoes are not for Yom Tov, they're for Shabbos. And since the potatoes don't add any flavor to the soup, if anything, they, they take away the flavor from the soup. So that would be forbidden to put the, the potatoes in a soup that's on the fire already um, cooking some soup for Yom Tov. Again, what you could do, just Closing the circle is make a soup initially. It has some potatoes inside of it, if you so choose. Um, when you put it all at once, and then the soup will be for now, and the potatoes will be for later. On Shabbos, that would be okay. That's one way. There's a second way. And the second way is that a person could do cooking on Yom Tov to prepare a food that's exclusively for Shabbos, provided that he uses the rabbinic mechanism called the Eruv Tavshilin. So the word Erev Tafshulin uh, means something like the the uniting or combining of foods, of Tafshulin, of dishes of food, um, but it doesn't, it's lost in translation. As I said back in Masechus Erevin, um, there are three basic categories of Erevin in the, in the Mishnah, in the Torah, and they are totally unrelated one to the other. They sound they're connected, but they're totally unconnected. There's Erev Chatseros, 
Eruve Tchomen and Eruve Tavshilem. They just, all three things are totally unique, distinct, and uh, don't have anything to do necessarily one with the other. Eruv Tavshilem is the mechanism which allows you to cook for Shabbos on Yom Tov. Eruv Tchomen allows you to re-gerrymander, you know, the, the Tchum, the zone in which you're allowed to um, travel on Shabbos. And um, Eruv Chatzeros allows you to combine your residencies to care from one Rosh to another Rosh like in, say, an apartment building. All those are not related. But in Erev Tchumen, excuse me, in Erev Tavshilin, um, what the rabbi said is, since the Torah allows cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbos, perhaps restricted by the by the restrictions that are set forth by Rabbah, um, meaning it has to be ready on, on Yom Tov still, but whatever the case is, as the, the Torah permits it, and the rabbis forbade it to protect the sanctity of and the covet of Shabbos or Yom Tov. But the rabbis say we only forbid it if unless you employ our mechanism of Erev Tavshilin, in which case we permit it. So what's Erev Tavshilin? Erev Tavshilin basically boils down to making some food for Shabbos on the day before the day before Shabbos, meaning on the day before Yom Tov, on Erev Yom Tov, you'll make some food for Shabbos already. That thing will function as your Erev Tavshilin. There's actually a bracha to be recited on the Erev Tavshilin. Um, I'm sure you're familiar uh, because it's a it's a rabbinic mechanism. It's a mitzvah. We want people to understand exactly what's happening and while they're why they're doing something that sort of is allowing them to do what would always be forbidden rabbinically of cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbos. Um, and it essentially basically boils down to making a dish for Shabbos before Yom Tov rolls in. The reason why that is an effective mechanism is because the whole reason the rabbis forbade cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbos is because they wanted to protect either the covet of Shabbos or Yom Tov. And if a person is preparing for Shabbos ahead of time on the, you know, it's called on Thursday, the day before Yom Tov, which is the Friday, so then, of course, he has his Shabbos menu in mind. And he won't come to not set aside some good portions for Shabbos itself. And similarly, if he's preparing for cooking before Yom Tov for Shabbos already, so he won't end up spending his entire Yom Tov cooking for Shabbos. He's making preparations ahead of time. So, therefore, the rabbi said, as long as you employ our mechanism, the Erev Tavshilin, you're allowed to cook on Yom Tov, something that's exclusively for Shabbos consumption. Now, in the end of the Mishnah, Be'ez Hashem, I'll come back to Halach Lamaisa, but now we'll just talk about, I'll give a little more color on the practicalities. But that's the gist of it. So our Mishnah is going to say now, inside, because the Mishnah, I said that all because the Mishnah says much fewer words than are needed to be said to explain what I just did. It says, Yom Tov Shechalios Erev Shabbos. If Yom Tov falls on the day before Shabbos, meaning on a Friday, Lo Yivashel Adam Batechila Miyom Tov Shabbos. A person can't start cooking something anew, afresh, for Shabbos consumption on Yom Tov. Aval, however, what he could do is he could cook something for Yom Tov. He could bake that big, you know, 10 dish worth of large pot of soup. Um, and if there's some left over, there's a second five bowls of soup, that's okay. He can leave it over for Shabbos. That means even if he knows intentionally, he does it with intention. He's making an extra quantity so they'll have some for Shabbos, or he's putting an extra, you know, chickens, left chicken on Shabbos, etc. That's all going to be okay. Um, Alternatively, he can actually create something that's, and cook something on Yom Tov that's exclusive for Shabbos if if he makes a dish, this is the Erev Tavshilin, if he makes a dish 
on the day before Yom Tov, meaning on, on, on the, on the Thursday evening, whatever it is, Thursday afternoon, I should say, really, um, the Somach Alav Le he can, he can, um, rely on the beginning cooking that he did on the day before the day before Shabbos on Erev Yom Tov, um, for Shabbos. Beishamai Omrim Mishnei Tavshilin. Beishamai say, in order to set this Erev Tavshilin up, you need to, um, cook actually two separate cooked dishes. And Beishil Omrim Tavshil Echad. Beishil say, no, even a single cooked dish is sufficient. Veshavin, and they actually agree, Badagu Veitza Sha'alav, if you cook, let's say you cook some fish, and you crack egg on top of the fish, so you've got like eggs and fish together, that's that, Shehen Shnei Tavshilin, even Besham would say that's considered to be two Tavshilin. Okay, it's two different dishes together. Okay. Va'achlo, sorry, now, Achlo Osha Avad, if you ate or you lost your Erev Tavshilin, let's say your Erev Tavshilin was a hard-boiled egg, Okay, so now yeah, you ate the hard-boiled eggs on Yom Tov, so or you lost the hard-boiled eggs. Lo yivashalav b'tachila. So now you're you've annulled, you've lost your erev tavshilin, and now you no longer are permitted to cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos because the point is the food's gone, your erev tavshilin's lost and gone. Vim shir mimenu kolshu. However, if you still have some of it left over, you have some of the hard-boiled egg left over. Then somachalav l'shabbos. That's sufficient. That's okay. Even if you have some left, that's okay. You can rely on that little bit as being the Shabbos food, and then you can continue to cook something afresh on Yom Tov for Shabbos. Now, when it says kol shehu, a little any amount left of the eretz on Yom Tov, so normally kol shehu, any amount means literally any amount, no matter how small. Uh, in fact, the bartender seems to learn that way. However, essentially, all the other Rishonim, like the Gemara, seems to understand that, a, that kol shehu actually means a kazayas. You have to have one olive's volume of your dish that you cooked on Erev Yom Tov to function as your Erev Tavshilin. And kol shehu doesn't actually mean any amount. It means at least a, a kazayas, an olive's amount. Um, the Bartonur does say, suggest any amount, but uh, that's very surprising. The other Meforshim don't know what to do with that exactly. Okay, Halach Lamai said, the Halach is like Beis Hill. We do allow Erev Tavshilin. You need to have just one um, dish. That being said, lecharchila ideally, because although the Mishnah makes no mention of this, there is a, a difference between a significant difference between cooking bishul and baking afia. Uh, the proper thing to do ideally is to have two things: both a cooked good like that egg, and a baked good like a loaf of bread, a challah. And to do both of those things, to cook something and bake something on Erev Yom Tov for Shabbos, to function as your Erev Tavshilin. And you have both those when you recite the bracha, you say this Erev Tavshilin, which will normally ideally comprise both a baked and cooked food, the chal and the egg, the boiled eggs. Um, and you'll say that, you know, this Erev Tavshilin allows you to bake and cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos. However, and, and, sorry, I should say, and ideally, while the minimum amount is a kazayas from olives amount for the baked, excuse me, for the, for the, the cooked dish, um, the baked should be larger, ideally at least a kabeza, that's a, olives volume, meaning two kabe, two olive, excuse me, kabeza and eggs volume, two olive volumes. And, um, really, for the sake of just conferring proper weight to it, it's, proper to use a whole loaf of bread, not even like a, a piece, like a 
eggs amount of bread. Um, but at all events, if you didn't make the bread or the bread got lost or eaten, you had nothing left of it at all, then certainly after the fact, you can rely on your your cooked dish is all you need to have to allow you to both cook and bake on Yom Tov for Shabbos.